For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. It's the Hoop Bowl Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here at BD Marcus is the Twitter handle. At B as in Brandon, D as in dog, Marcus, M A R C U S. Hope you're having a tremendous day and hope you're ready for another. Hoop Ball Clippers podcast with another great guest. On this one, we're going to have Tomara Zarli, a credentialed beat writer covering the Clippers for Clutch Points. You can follow his work at Clutch Points and also at Clutch Points app is the Twitter handle for Clutch Points. Tomara had a chance to go with the team to Hawaii and also was at the game last night against the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, the big news is Kawhi Leonard made his return to the floor, his debut for the Los Angeles Clippers, and boy, he looked really good. We'll talk to Tomer a little bit about the numbers behind Kawhi's debut, including the six assists, which frankly is tremendous to see. A guy that clearly trusts his teammates, he's getting his teammates involved, and why that's important in my eyes is because that means that not only can he score the basketball, because frankly, we know he can do that. He can go out and get 35 points if he really wants to, but if he trusts his teammates and he's able to get that assist total up, this is going to be a very dynamic offensive team, one that, frankly, we thought was going to be dynamic, but will be even more dynamic throughout this season once they add PG and everyone gets comfortable with each other. So we'll get to Tomer, and you'll have a chance to hear him, but don't forget, this is a Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. You can get it on Amazon. Get it quickly to your doorstep and get some caffeine. Follow Hoopball Clippers at Hoopball Clips. And also, like I said, you can follow me at BD Marcus. And of course, Hoopball Fantasy at Hoopball Fantasy. Get a chance to follow our stuff for all your fantasy as we lead into the 2019-2020 season. Without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Tomara Zarli. Well, the Clippers coverage continues with Tomara Azarli. Boy, he is a guy that knows the team well. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Tomer Azarly, at T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y. He covers the Clippers for Clutch Points, and also you can check him out on Twitter at Clutch Points app. Tomer, thanks for joining the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Appreciate it. All right, so let's start with Kawhi. We got to start with him. Obviously, he makes his long-awaited return last night. You were in the building for that. What was the atmosphere like, first of all, when he took the floor for warm-ups and then when he was announced? So, um, initially he was ruled out for this game. He wasn't supposed to play, according to the PR team. And then uh, pregame, Doc said, yeah, Kawhi's going to give it a go, give it a couple minutes. And even some of us in the media were taken aback. But uh, that, that changed the outlook of the entire night. Um, because, you know, fans anticipated Kawhi not playing. And once he was playing, then people bought tickets and all that. Um, there was there was a buzz in the, in the arena, a buzz that you don't really feel for a preseason game. Uh, you know, Staples Center had the new uh, Clippers court design 
with the map of Los Angeles on the court. Um, Kawhi donned his, the Clipper jersey for the first time on the court. Uh, it was kind of surreal to see for a lot of fans. You know, you could see them getting giddy, uh, just sort of clapping themselves and looking all excited. Uh, it, it was cool to see. Um, you know, once he took off his warm-ups, once he was introduced, uh, you know, he, he he's he's emotionless when it comes to, you know, the game time. But um, you could tell that he, he – this is something that he'd been waiting for uh, ever since he signed here. And I asked him about that after the game. Uh, when he was announced, it was a loud ovation, very loud ovation for a preseason game. I'll tell you that. And, um, yeah, I can only imagine what it's going to be like October 22nd when uh, the regular season opener is for the Clippers. When he was introduced, were let's try and compare it to back when the Clippers had Blake and they had CP3. Louder than when those two guys were there or about the same or less? Uh, no, this this was a special uh, – this was louder. Um, I think this – this is just a different feel for this team, as you know. Like, there's a real, real championship uh, expectation and hope for this team, barring health. Uh, and and again, it was a preseason game, so it was a, a thinner crowd than normal. Um, but fans were ecstatic. You could you could see it. I mean, I could see fans clapping to themselves, high fiving, saying, "Hey, like, this is our guy. We we got a, We got a legitimate superstar and a legitimate chance to win a title." It, it was it was fun to watch. I'll be curious to see what it's like on the 22nd because obviously for Lakers-Clippers games, there's always a decent amount of Lakers fans. So they'll have the booing out there, but the Clippers will see how loud the fans are because that's always fun when the Lakers and Clippers play against each other. And obviously the first game of the regular season means a lot more than a preseason game. But let's talk about the play on the court because we saw something from Kawhi that we're not really used to, and that is his ability to share the basketball at an elite level. Seven points, but also six assists for him in very limited action. Were you surprised at all to see him facilitate as much as he did? Uh, you, you know, I was because I thought Doc said he was going to play only the first half, brief spurts. So I assumed he was going to go out there, uh, you know, just run the flow of the offense and get his own sort of just, you know, get a rhythm for himself. Um, I mean, he did get a rhythm, but the way he did so was by getting his teammates involved, which is interesting. Uh, he started off first play of the game. Drove from the right wing down the middle, or uh, from the left wing down the middle, hit Joe Michael Green in the corner for a three. Um, next play, he found it, you know, he got his baseline jumper, got the steal, they transitioned three, and then he was back to facilitating again. It was it was really interesting to see because he found he found something there in the pick and roll, especially with Montres Harrell and Ivica Zubats. I think he had a pair of assists to them each in the first half. Um, that might be a weapon they use moving forward, but I was certainly uh, surprised. I think I'm not the only one who was surprised to see him get so involved in the facilitating part of the uh, basketball game. How do you think that changes the offense? Because you have a point guard in Pat Beverly that is most likely going to be the guy, and then whether it's Shamit that's playing the two, or maybe it's Kawhi and PG that are the two and three, and they go a little bit bigger. Uh, how does that change the offense? Because you don't have a traditional point guard, but you now have several different guys that can facilitate. Well, the thing that the Clippers are doing, and Doc Rivers has highlighted this the last couple of days, is that they don't have a set uh, you know, position for point guard, shooting guard. They have a bunch of guys who can bring up the ball, uh, who can create their own offense, who can start the offense for their teammates, uh, and, and begin it that way. Um, you saw yesterday, I think Doc highlighted the postgame, that he liked how when um, Shamit, uh, Lou Williams, and Kawhi were on the floor at the same time, each of them had their moment where they brought the ball up, created off a pick and roll, created for others, created for themselves. 
Uh, and it wasn't just like a, you know, only for themselves. Um, so it was interesting to see. And I'd be curious to see if they could carry that over to the regular season. Because, again, they don't have a traditional point guard, one guy who's going to come up there and uh, distribute the ball right away. You know, they have – they're going to have Kawhi who, who I think – the evolution of his game has been underrated. He's really evolved as a passer. We saw that last year with the Raptors. Uh, we're really seeing that this year with the Clippers. I think we're, we're going to see with the Clippers. Um, you know, Paul George was a top three MVP candidate last year. He can he can create for himself and others. Um, Lou has been leading the team in assists the last two years. Uh, Pat Beverly can do it as well. Shamit played three years as a point guard at Wichita State, which a lot of people forget. He has point guard abilities which he's looking to showcase this year. So they have a lot of point guard by committees. Uh, it's going to be a point guard by committee here, and I haven't even mentioned Terrence Mann, who the team has been so high about in the preseason. He's just been impressing. He's been lights out. And his decision-making has been um, surprisingly good for a rookie. Uh, Doc said his defense was a little bit like a college guy getting beat back door a couple times. But, you know, he's a rookie. He'll develop over time. Um, as far as their playmaking goes, though, it's going to be a by committee thing where everyone can do everything on the court. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I've talked about how last year was obviously a tremendous coaching job by Doc, but this is going to be probably one of his more difficult coaching jobs because he's going to have so many different guys at his disposal. And just like I know you're a guy who was tweeting about the Dodgers where you have Dave Roberts who has many different arms he could have gone to in the bullpen, whether it be Joe Kelly, it be Maeda, it be Jansen. Now you're going to have so many different guys on the floor and off the bench for the Clippers that it'll be interesting to see who Doc goes with because now you wonder if the first 20 or 30 games or so is going to be more of Doc feeling out which lineup works the best because he's going to have so many different options. Do you think that's the case? Well, I think the first thing with this team is they have to put egos aside because there's so many guys who can do so many things on both ends that, let's face it, not everyone's going to get theirs every night. Um, you know, there's going to be nights where Mo doesn't do as much, where Rodney doesn't do as much, where even Kawhi and Paul may not do as much. Uh, Lou's been tasked with doing a lot on offense. He might not be doing as much. Same with Trez. Uh, so put, once you can put the egos aside, um, yeah, I think the first couple of weeks will be a bit of a test, but we have to remember that they'll be without Paul George. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be, I think they'll even be playing with lineups in the first couple of weeks that Paul returns, um, to figure out which lineups work best because, they essentially have two starting lineups. Coming off the bench, they're going to have uh, Lou Williams, um, Jermichael Green, Rodney Magruder, Mo Harkless, and Montrezl Harrell. That's essentially a starting lineup for most teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have to do a lot of tweaking and playing around with lineups, even in the preseason, and figure out which guys play best with each other off the ball and on the ball in the pick and roll, defensively as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of a lot of um, adjusting and figuring out and i think it'll be not a lot of people are talking about this but there's there's so much talent that i think this is going to take some time to figure out um you know they're saying the players are saying it'll be easier to figure out because doc's such a good coach and that might be the case um but again these guys can do so much on both ends uh mo and rodney especially were, were terrific starters last year for miami and portland even the years before that um and now they'll be coming off the bench so It'll be interesting to see how Doc figures that out, but I, I'm not even concerned that he'll, that he'll figure it out. Yeah, if Doc wasn't the coach, then you'd be a little bit concerned, but chemistry obviously is important, and when you have so many guys that are shuffling in and out of the lineup, like what's going to happen with the Clippers, where you're going to be able to have so many different lineups, 
I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Kawhi and PG also get staggered throughout the game because you're going to have that ability where you're going to have Kawhi on the floor and you're going to be able to surround him with so many different pieces. And the same thing with PG. And I'll just be interested to see what Doc decides to do because he has so many different pieces and it's going to be tough for him to figure out who to go with because we've talked time and time again throughout the offseason, well, what's the starting lineup going to be? What's the closing lineup going to be? And I don't think we know because in the past, obviously, Lou Williams is a guy you need on the floor. Now, when you have Kawhi and PG, you have two guys who can get their own. So maybe you don't need that scoring at the end of the game and you actually need the defense of a guy like Harkless or a guy like Shaman at the end of the game. And that's what's going to be interesting to me. And I'm curious to see if that's what's going to happen, where he's going to continue to change the lineup, or if he eventually finds one that he likes. Well, it, it sounds like for now, once they're healthy, Kawhi and PG are the only two guaranteed lock starters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Shaman, if they need some extra shooting, uh, if they need some extra defense, they can start Pat. If you need some more, uh, you know, ball handling, you can start Lou, I, although I don't see that happening. Um, it'll just be interesting to see what they do, because once Paul comes back, I think what will happen is, like you said, they'll be staggering him very, very well. Whereas, you know, Paul will probably come out early in the first quarter. Um, Kawhi will play most of the first, and they'll bring Paul back in with the second unit, get him adjusted, and to close out the second quarter and, and, and the, fourth, the fourth quarter, uh, it'll be Paul and Kawhi together, probably with Lou, uh, probably with Trez. Um, you know, if they need some size, they'll get um, Zubats in there. If they need some shooting, they'll get Jamichael in there. Uh, so... There really is like no set uh, rotation or lineup for guys that can go. They just mix and match um, incre- insanely. Like last year in the playoffs, we forget that, uh, you know, they started Jermichael Green and ended up winning that game five in uh, Oracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermichael's shooting was crucial, and they had Trez as well, Montrezl Harrell, um, uh, inside. So it, it just creates a lot of matchup problems for opponents. And um, l- like I said, I think the only two starters will be uh, guaranteed, Paul and Kawhi, obviously. And after that, everyone else will be interchangeable and, and, you know, in and out of the lineup, starting lineup anyways, based on opponents. So there's been three preseason games so far, Um, one against Houston, one obviously last night, and then obviously against the Shanghai Sharks. I'm curious to get your take because you were in Hawaii. How has the team looked in the first three preseason games? Uh, Hawaii was um, about what you'd expect from a team that had like two, three days to practice together for Mm -hmm. the first time. Uh, they had, I think, three or four returning players from last year's team. So for the most part, this is a new team. Um, it's, again, and then also Kawhi and Paul George, for the most part, for the first part, uh, Kawhi was only doing uh, non-contact drills, mm-hmm. just like Paul was, Paul George was. Um, and then, you know, once they lost that game to Houston Rockets, I think Doc was very uh, disappointed with the the uh, team chemistry on the court. And I think they started to ramp up Kawhi a little bit, and Kawhi felt that as well. Um, and so he started taking contact. He didn't play in that second uh, game against Shanghai, but you saw the team build some some more rapport on the court. Their chemistry looked – they just looked a lot better. They looked a lot more together. Um, guys knew where they were going to be. Guys knew where they were supposed to be. Uh, again, it's the Shanghai Sharks, so you can't take too much out of that. But, again, if you take the first half of yesterday's game against the uh, Denver Nuggets, Denver played all their starters – and, um, you know, the Clippers were playing second and third unit guys, but they still looked terrific in the sense that everyone was where they were supposed to be. Defensively, they were they were getting deflections all over. Uh, it was it was crazy. They only had, I think, three or four steals in the first half. But the number of deflections they had, just I lost count because they caused so much havoc on that end. Um, 
and so it, it's improving. It's improving. They're not they're not where they want to be yet. It's going to take some time uh, as guys come back from injury. P- Pat was injured, so he sat out yesterday. Rodney was injured, so he sat out yesterday. Uh, so until the team gets fully healthy, it'll take some time for them to mesh and develop and learn one another. Uh, but I, I, they're in the right direction. They're trending in the right direction. It'll take some time, but uh, I, I like where they're headed. You think everybody's going to be healthy except for PG for opening night? Uh, well, Rodney suffered a high ankle sprain, and those tend – I don't know the severity, but those tend to take a little longer to heal from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I – it sounds like he'll be good to go for opening night, but you just can't know with these kind of things because he just suffered the injury two nights ago, two days ago. Uh, so I guess we'll get more information tomorrow uh, before the game Sunday and then before the Vancouver game. They have about a week and a half until opening night. So I, w- I would guess that Rodney should be good to go. Uh, Paul, I think, is guaranteed all out, out for all of October for now. So um, unless something drastic changes, like Doc even said that he's not even taking contact all of training camp and preseason. So I, I don't think... Paul's particularly close. Outside of him, I think the Clippers should be good to go. How far do you think PG actually is? Because there are some people, I mean, Hoopball is obviously a big fantasy site as well, so people are wondering where to select Paul George in their drafts. Is he a guy that you think, all right, they're saying he's going to be out for probably six games. Do you think that's going to be something that lingers, or maybe it's more close to 10, 15 games? Or do you think once six games happen, then he'll probably be ready? Because he is shooting. That has to be a good sign, because... If he wasn't completely healthy, you don't think he would be out there, right? I mean, these are shooting drills, and they're they're just they're just working him back really slowly. Like if if I had if I had to guess, I, I would say that he misses more than just six games mm-hmm. uh, to start the season. Uh, he's probably based on my fantasy knowledge. I haven't played in a while, but I would guess he's probably like a a third round guy based on him missing the first. I would guess he misses, and this is uninformed. Just they haven't told us much, but right. I guess he misses the first ten to twelve games of the season. Yeah, that would bump um, him to third. Even round. then, they're yeah, and even then they're going to ramp him up really slowly. They're not forcing the issue with him at all. So we could see him come in first game back, play like seven to ten minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and the next game will play fifteen minutes. It, it won't be that quick of a return for him. Um, and then they'll also be resting him. They have thirteen back to backs this year. So from a fantasy aspect, it's very tricky to predict. Um, yeah, I, again, uninformed, they haven't told us much, but I'd guess that he misses more than six games. I guess it's around the 10 to 12 area, but, uh, we just can't know. Maybe he goes through some rapid progression over the next week and a half, two weeks, and he's ready by early November. You just, you just, you just don't know right now. Yeah. Pretty good insight. And also it's, that's a big thing. If he comes back and only plays about seven to 10 minutes, it's obviously good for the Clippers to have him back, but yeah, for fantasy owners, not ideal. So he's not on the court. Who actually on the court has impressed you the most so far in these three games? Uh, I would have to say, I mean, it's the guy everyone's talking about, Terrence Mann. Mm-hmm. Their forty uh, second round pick. He, I think, he was three or four years at Florida State, and um, just he's got a great feel for the game. Uh, he's got great vision as well. Uh, for a rookie, his decision making, like I said earlier, has been pretty good. He and the Clippers have entrusted him, like in, in the game against Shanghai. Uh, and then also last night as well, they've entrusted him to bring the ball up, bring the primary ball handler when he's on the court because they want him to get that experience. Now he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. And you have to live with those. He's, those are growing pains. It's going to happen. Um, but, man, like if he can develop his shooting and become an outside threat, because when he's on the court with guys like, let's say, Lou Williams, Lou Williams is probably going to be the primary ball handler. Uh, and then with the starting unit, Kawhi is obviously going to be have the ball in his hands. Uh, Landry as well. So 
If he can develop his shooting, Terrence is going to be a big weapon for the Clippers. Uh, but it feels like it feels like he, it feels like he'll have a role in the rotation, and, and that's impressed me. He's impressed me. Uh, it remains to be seen how big that role is. Um, you know, it's gotten to the point where Doc Rivers told us that players were telling him, telling Doc that, hey, like Terrence should be playing more. He's, you know, we want to see more from him because he's capable of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you hear that from your own teammates, Pat, Luke, why guys who are you know, have done it at the highest level for a long time, um, you know, it says something about him. So, uh, again, we're going to have growing pains. It's going to take a while, but uh, I-, I wouldn't be surprised to see Terrence doing big things in the rotation this year. Do you think they thought that they would get this type of contribution from man? It seems like he really has come out of nowhere and uh, surprised, obviously, not just the beat writers and the people covering the team, but the coaches as well. Well, he has a history with, with some of the guys on the training staff at the front office where they've eyed him for a couple of years. His mom is a head basketball coach as well. Um, so I think they've had their eye on him for a few years now. Um, it, it's, it, it's gone beyond just this, um, you know, this past year, this past two years. They've had their eye on him for a while. Um, so it's tough to say, but um, – yeah, they've had their eye on him for a while. It wasn't just like a one or two year thing. They, they've been eyeing him for a while. Is he better off getting big minutes in the G League, or do you think he's better off getting five to seven minutes possibly in the rotation as maybe the eleventh guy on that team? I could be could be a little bit of both, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, because the G, the G League is always a good experience for guys, especially young guys, um, just to adjust to the physicality. A lot of guys, their toughest thing is to just adjust to the physicality and speed of the game uh, because you're also playing 82 games in a year. So the G league helps with that. Um, but I, I don't anticipate him needing too much G league time. And again, if, if the Clippers are going to be, you know, resting Lou, because I think he's the oldest guy on the team. If they're going to be resting Lou Williams, Paul George is going to take his time coming back. Kawhi is obviously going to rest here and there. Um, any other nagging injuries that might come up, an ankle sprain here, uh, you know, some stuff like that. Um, you know, that's a role for Terrence right there because Terrence can play the two, the three, and small ball, maybe some four. He probably could get bullied in the post as a four, but, you know, one, two, or three, he can play easily. Um, so there's definitely a role for him. I think he might start on the G League, but he's definitely got a role on the Clippers NBA team. So Yeah, obviously the depth is a big point of uh, the Clippers this season. I mean, obviously they've been great in the last couple of years, and especially last year, obviously, they've had the guys off the bench, and Lou and Trez, who were both competing for that sixth man of the year award, and now you bring in a couple other guys, and Harkless and Magruder, and maybe you work in man in that mix as well, and then obviously Jamichael Green, whether he's a starter or he comes off the bench, it's a very, very deep team, so you talk about injuries, and some people think, well, eh, they're so deep, I don't think man would even get minutes, but you're right, in that George might not play, I mean, Magruder may not play, Lou may be sitting out, Kawhi, like you said, might be sitting out, so there may actually be more minutes for some of these youngsters than what we anticipate. And what will be interesting to see is when does Doc play them? And also, when does Doc sit his guys like Lou and Kawhi? Because I know Kawhi has talked about playing in some of these back-to-backs. Whether the Clippers actually do that, that'll be something that will be fun to look at because he wants to do it, but I'd be surprised if he actually does play in back-to-back games. From your point of view, what do you think the load management is going to be like for Kawhi and for PG? And when did these guys actually sit? Is it something that's a back-to-back, or do you think they just randomly happen to sit throughout the season? Well, over the last couple of years, the Clippers have had their own sort of in-house um, you know, stats into when a guy is being overworked 
you know, including at practice, including when he's working out, and then in games as well. So they they have their own sort of technique to see. Now, obviously, you have the back-to-backs where uh, we could easily see guys like Kawhi sitting out, Lou sitting out, Paul definitely sitting out. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of Lou Williams resting this year. Doc has touched on this a couple times this preseason that, you know, no one's talking about Lou being the oldest guy on the team and, and needing, you know, some days off because you want to preserve these guys for the postseason. That's the biggest object here. So I think we're going to see Lou, like I said, I think they have 13 back-to-backs this year. Uh, I think their longest road trip is a six or seven game road trip in, in mid January or something like that. So um, I think we'll see Lou sit out the most. Uh, Paul will probably be right behind him as well. Maybe even Ty. Maybe actually, maybe most in terms of load management because they really want to preserve him. Uh, Kawhi, I could see probably sitting out. I think Kawhi will play about sixty six games, mm-hmm. uh, sixty six to sixty eight games uh, with load management, assuming he's healthy. Now, if he suffers, you know. A, Injury here, injury there. That could also, you know, quickly drop to sixty games, fifty-eight games. Um, I I can't really think of anyone else who'd be rested as much as much as those guys, uh, especially down the stretch. You know, like if the Clippers have a number one, two, number one or two or three seed locked in with a guy with no team really close behind or ahead. Uh, you know, you could definitely see those guys resting as well. It's all situational. Depends on what happens down the line. Uh, but Lou, Pat, Lou. Oh, Pat, Pat Beverly as well. He's been, uh, you know, he, he had the really ba- uh, big surgery about two years ago now. I think it was a micro fracture and a meniscus in his knee, in the same knee. Uh, so he's a guy I definitely look out for in terms of rest, in terms of load management. Uh, it'll be Lou, it'll be Pat, it'll be Kawhi, and it'll be Paul. Um, probably Paul and Lou at the top of that list. Man, you just hope his team stays healthy. Because that, that's a lot <laughs> of names right there that you just drop. You hope that they stay healthy. Uh, you talked well, again about- the playoffs. Though the playoffs are there's no back to backs there. Right. So that this team is built for the playoffs once they can get there and if they get there healthy. Yeah, that's true. So you talked about man as the guy that's impressed you the most. Who's disappointed you the most so far in the first three? Ooh, I feel like I have to call someone out here. Um, I, look, this is a big preseason for Jerome Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's he, he's a great guy, uh, but at the position that he was picked at i think it was the 13th pick mm-hmm. um it's time to live up to expectations uh, it's tough to do that when you play on such a deep team in such a deep position uh, you know but when he has been out there on the floor i don't want to say he's disappointed but the decision making hasn't been there when you get the opportunity to knock down shots you really have to make the most of that time because this is your only time to make an impact on the coaching staff um and on the fans as well so i don't want to say he's disappointed uh, but he just hasn't lived up to what we'd expected. And, and you know, he could turn that around quick. Uh, you know, if guys decide to rest, if they just play him. He played, excuse me, he played some big minutes in the playoffs last year against the Warriors. Had a nice couple, a few minutes stretch there against the Warriors. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, disappointed is a little rough because everyone, everyone's looked pretty solid for the most part. I would just say that, you know, I, I would have hoped that Jerome took more advantage of his um, of his time on the court. Now that's not to say that he, you know, hasn't wanted to obviously, Yeah. but you know, you really want a guy in his second year in the lottery pick 
to you know start picking it up, start becoming a rotation player, if you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah no, you answered that perfectly. I'm not asking you to completely throw a guy under the bus. I'm just asking for somebody that maybe you would have had a little more hope and high hopes for, and expectations were pretty high for somebody, and maybe they didn't quite meet them. And I, I think Jerome Robinson's a pretty fair answer as somebody that was drafted high, and he did, I believe, start the first game of the preseason. So he's been able to get those minutes and, and just hasn't really put together that complete game that you'd like to see. And it's tough because when you have a guy like Shea that just burst onto the scene as a rookie and he was picked just two picks before, and then now you have a guy in man that was a second-round pick, it's tough for a guy like Jerome Robinson because they're all they're all not met. I mean, they're all not supposed to be made like the same player. I mean, all first-round picks are not going to go perform right away. All second-round picks are not going to flop right away. And in this case, Mann has done well as a second-rounder, and SGA obviously has been incredible. What do you think the Clippers are going to miss the most from last year's team to this year's team? Or do you think that there's nothing that is going to drop at all in terms of play on the court? That's interesting. Um, haven't given them that much thought. They're bringing back the same mentality mm-hmm. uh, and the same core in terms of their character, uh, in terms of their tenacity. Obviously, you know, get after it, take no plays off. Um, they lost Shea and Gallinari. Um, but they gained Kawhi and Paul George. Mm-hmm. So you you get you got guys that when when they're healthy, they, they get after it just as much as Pat, as Trez, as Lou. Uh, well, not on the court. So I don't think they'll miss too much from last season. Um, I will say that the chemistry and the unity that last season's team had, you know, this team could be just as together, maybe even better. But the chemistry that we that I saw last year in the locker room, like these guys were joking around all the time. They did everything together. It was, it was like a, an actual family and a lot of like best friends, brotherhood sort of thing. Uh, and that was cool to see. Considering this team had no superstars on the team, uh, they weren't projected to even make the playoffs. Uh, it, that kind of chemistry was was unique. And again, maybe this team could replicate it. Uh, but that that's something I think could be missed, uh, that togetherness that they had last year. Um, again, the Clippers have been praising their chemistry off the court so far. They've had fishing trips and paintballing trips, and, and they've done everything together. So, um, you know, this year's team could be just fine, but that's just what I noticed from last year that was pretty unique. Yeah, that would have been my answer too, is that that team was so good together last year, and they really did seem like they all loved each other. So it'll be interesting to see what and, it's like adding PG and Kawhi. Go ahead. And I was just going to add that you know, it got to the point where, you know, where if a guy like Lou or Pat had to criticize someone harshly on the court, they knew it came from a good place and not from a, you know, a bad criticism place. They knew, hey, we know you can do better. Let's do better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, trying to, you know, go down on you and, you know, push you down, um, which is something that that was really unique about that team. You know, they got on Shea's head when he was struggling last year, but he never took it in a bad way. He always took it positively uh, in a constructive criticism type of way and just improved off that. That's that's that type of uh, chemistry is really tough to get in the team. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty unique. I wish I could just be a fly on the wall when Kawhi is there. And just to see what he's like talking to his teammates and what he's like to be around <laughs> and just texting with Kawhi if he shows any emotion whatsoever. Because you wonder, they, I mean, it seemed like Toronto really liked him. I mean, it seemed like his the Raptors players liked him a lot. So clearly he's a guy that gets along with many. So I'm just curious to see what it's like. 
Um, I think is uh, I think I think that's a bit overblown. Like Doc was saying that he's very verbal. Uh, you know, some of the guys were saying, "Oh, he's actually a really fun guy, funny guy." Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we just don't get to see it as much. Um, being a fly on the wall around Kawhi and his team would actually be pretty, pretty, pretty special. I think that'd be pretty cool to see what he's like. Yeah, I wish. All right, so I'm gonna put you on the spot, just like I have so far with pretty much every guest that's come on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Ooh, I God, want okay. I want you to tell me where the Clippers finish in the Western Conference. What that's the regular season. And I want you to tell me how many wins they get and if they win the NBA title. Oof, that is rough. Um, I'm going to say they get about 50. Well, the load management injury, I'm going to say about 55, mm-hmm. 54 wins, 54 to 55, something like that. Okay. Um, they'll probably be, I would guess, a three seed in the West, a three or four seed in the West. Uh, I don't. I don't think they'll be a top two seed just because their regular season is not their priority. Like they could finish eighth, and they'd still be fine with that. Uh, so I think it'll be it'll, it'll be a three four seed in in the West. And honestly, if this team stays healthy, there's no reason. I mean, they have the best team on paper. They should win the NBA championship. Yeah. Um, Philadelphia is a team out east that scares me because they they got deep and they got big this off season. Uh, and Bede and Horford is. I mean. It's really hard to imagine how tall and how big that lineup is until you see them. And then you have Ben Simmons at the point guard position. That's just insane. Um, so I think I I would predict them to win the NBA championship. I mean, I don't want to come off biased. Uh, a lot of it depends on health. A lot of it depends on, on the team's chemistry and how they how they build that togetherness throughout the year. Um, a lot of it depends on some luck, too, you know. So yeah. I would I would have them winning the NBA championship this year and then having about 54 to 55 wins and getting about the three or four seed in the West. Pretty much spot on to what I get what I guessed uh, last podcast. I did a crossover podcast with Ethan Noroff, who hosts the Hoop All Lakers podcast. And I said, I'm, I'm guessing about 55 wins, 54 wins. I think they'll be the three seed. And I thought that they would beat Philadelphia in the finals. I think Philadelphia is going to be a tough matchup, though. You bring it up with the height, with Embiid and with. Horford. I mean, those are two guys, and you wonder with the Clippers, who's going to defend both those guys? Because the Clippers are not the biggest team in the world, and I really do think they need to bring in a guy like Noah. Some length needs to be added off the bench because you can't just trust Trez, Green, and Zoo just to be those three guys. I think you need one more guy to provide a little more energy and just be a pest down low, just like Pat Beverly is on the at, on the perimeter. I think you can do the same thing with Noah, perhaps down low. I mean, would you agree with that? Uh, I I do think that they need another guy in the middle, um, just just for size, but ju- but also because you know like God forbid you know Lou uh, was Zubat had a hand injury last year. You know if Zubat goes down right now with some, he has to sit out a week or two. The Clippers are a very small team. They have Montrezl Harrell and Jermichael Green as the small ball fives pretty mm-hmm. much. So they don't really have another center there. Uh, I, I heard that maybe Noah was dealing with some knee injury. I, I don't know if that was a uh, I can't verify that, but I heard that he was dealing with some knee injury, and that's why they haven't really signed him or worked him out yet. Um, but the, the center position is definitely something to watch because if Zubas is a week off, uh, I mean, they're going to be small. And they already struggled to, to rebound as it is. They were one of the worst rebounding teams last year. They got beat pretty bad on the boards yesterday. I believe it was it was 51-33. to 33. So, uh, again, it was a preseason game, but... That's a position to watch. They definitely need some size, especially if they go up to the NBA Finals and face Philadelphia, who will be a, a, a massive team. 
with uh, Embiid, Simmons, Horford, Tobias, a 6'8", probably shooting guard potential at that point, small forward. Um, they'll, they'll be a big team. Yeah, yeah, that team does worry me, and I think they do need to add some height. And you mentioned the numbers are just preseason, but clearly rebounding is going to be something that this team needs to improve on over the first several months of the season. All right, before I let you go, what was your favorite part of Hawaii? Uh, the beaches are different, man. The yeah. beaches out there are, are different. The sand, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, man, I got, I got to the beaches a couple times. It took me a couple of days to get there because we had practices, uh, you know, we had lunch with Balmer, we had the games, but uh, the beaches were, were nice. The food out there wasn't bad either. Yeah, the food's uh, good, especially the pineapple. I don't know if you got a chance to have some of that pineapple. I did. I did. It's I fresh. did. It was very good. It's fresh. And then, yeah, you meant to do those. That, that water is just so blue. And you're like, where, where did this come from? I mean, this is not yeah. something that California <laughs> and Los Angeles has. So I was going to say, it's, it's completely different. Like, I was used to, like, L.A. beaches. Then I went there, and I'm like, you know, when, when my plane's about to land, I'm like, oh, that water's pretty blue. But it's probably not like that. You know, not super clear when you get down there. And you get down there, and it's like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah. And it's it, it's perfect temperature, and uh, I was just a mix of a – I'm sitting at the beach right now. I'm thinking about that again. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you got a chance to go out there and experience that because, uh, man, the Hawaii and those beaches is great. And combine that with basketball at the Stan Sheriff Center, it's pretty solid. All right. Got to let you go. Tomara Zarley, a tremendous fella, joining us for the first time on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Hopefully we have you on several more times throughout the season. Before you go, promote yourself. Where can everybody find you? Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Uh, you guys can follow me at T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y. That's Tomara Zarley, my name, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, Just follow us at Clutch Points on Instagram and the Clutch Points app on Twitter. Uh, you know, just follow all my work, appreciate everything. And, uh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate this, uh, having me on the podcast. Hopefully we get a couple more in there as the season goes on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. First appearance for Tomara Zarli was a good one. He clearly knows his stuff. He's followed the team for a little while here and he will be with the team throughout the entire season. Like we talked about, he was with the team in Hawaii and then obviously got a chance to watch them at Staples Center last night in that game against the Denver Nuggets. He brought up a couple of good points. Uh, very interested to see what the role is for Terrence Mann this season because there obviously can be a lot of hype around somebody during the preseason. But then the question is, how many minutes is he actually going to get during the regular season? It really might benefit him to start in the G League and get those minutes. Don't forget, the G League is not a bad place for someone to be. There are a lot of NBA guys that spent a lot of time in the G League and ended up being very, very good ball players. So if he's able to hone his craft in the G League and get those minutes where he's playing 30-plus minutes a game, then maybe you'll be in pretty good shape when he's called upon later on in the season. That's what's important because, like we talked about, there might be injuries to this team. There already are injuries to this team, and we'll see what you have in Terrence Mann. And frankly, he might be a trade ship at the deadline for a team that wants a guy that can play the one, two, or three when the Clippers might need a big. So there's a lot of different things at stake here, and I'll be curious to see what happens with Terrence Mann. Make sure you follow the podcast, obviously, throughout the entire season. We'll have one pretty much every week leading up to the season, and when the season starts, we'll try and go two a week if time permits. You can follow the Clippers podcast, the Hoopball Clippers podcast, at Hoopball Clips. You can follow me at BD Marcus. Hit me up there. Let me know if you have any questions. I'll answer them on the podcast. Also, let me know if you want to have 
any guests on the podcast that I have not already have. This has been a presentation of Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. Until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long. Have a tremendous rest of your weekend. And frankly, have a tremendous day whenever day it is that you're listening. Bye, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.